All right, you're now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 304. OG Ananobi finally gets traded. There's a disconnect in the Laker locker room, but is it Darvin Ham's fault? Chaos in the Bay. Nobody wants to be playing for the Warriors right now. And Drew thinks that an all time record will be broken. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 304. We are knocking this pod out uh, Friday afternoon. It's about 3 p.m. Clippers have a big game against uh, the Pelicans tonight at 5.30. They're our kryptonite. I hate playing the Pelicans. I want to get some positive Clipper talk out before we get destroyed by the Pelicans. Uh, but a lot has taken place in the past week since our last recording, Drew. We finally got a trade. Ujiri finally let go of the restraints on his on his free agents in uh, OG and Anobi. Finally, after what it seems like five years of talking about where OG is going to end up, uh, the Knicks end up with OG. And they send quickly an R.J. Barrett to the Raptors. Uh, uh, Knicks get Precious and Malachi Flynn and... Uh, and OG Ananobi. And you know what, Drew, when I heard this, I, I love it. I love it for both teams. I think, you know, it's crazy because OG was in talks for KD. OG was in talks for Kyrie, all these like superstar names. And I like this trade for both for both teams. You when you get uh the Knicks first, when you're getting uh an OG Ananobi and a Precious, both of these guys are Tibbs guys, defense, two-way, two-way players, I guess. Precious is more on the defensive end. Uh, perfect fit for the Knicks. And then you go to Toronto and they get quickly and RJ Barrett gets to go home. Uh, I, I love it. I love it for both teams. We're now going to see a quickly Scotty Barnes backcourt, which is really interesting and kind of sexy when you think about it. Uh, Toronto is like actually a team now that I want to watch. It's the one team this year that I really haven't watched a lot of because they're just not entertaining to me. But now with this, with this makeup for Toronto and for the Knicks, I love it. You know what's crazy is I heard a story really quick that OG, you know, got on the first flight to New York. He ends up at Clipper or at at, at Knicks practice, and he just and Tibbs and, and OG have never talked. But OG just goes up to Brunson the first practice. He's like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, and Brunson's like <laughs> Brunson's just like slash. When in doubt, just slash, and we'll make it happen for you. Anyways, I love this trade for both teams. Uh, it's good to see the Messiah Ujiri finally like parting ways with one of his players. Of course, we can continue talking about how he got nothing in return for Fred Van Vliet. But finally, some movement in Toronto. I like the trades for both teams. What do you think, Drew? I First first of all, Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, thank you Happy for Drew tuning in for, for another, for another uh, year of, of Clips and Drew podcasts. Uh, and yeah, Merry Clips, Miss Happy Drew. Year. I don't know if we got to say it on the last one. I think you did, but I'll did say I it again. Say it? I don't know if you That's did. That's my or not. favorite line. I know. I'm assuming you did. I'm assuming you did. Okay. Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, this was a surprise. This was I. We I had woken up that morning and uh, I didn't even look at my phone. I was out with uh, with my wife's family up in in Oxnard, California, and 
my future brother-in-law, the fiance to my sister-in-law, hits me as soon as I'm waking up with like, did you see the trade? And I said, oh shit, like, what is it? I thought maybe it was a Lakers trade. I got excited and it wasn't. But this trade, finally, OG Andenobi gets to go to some other location other than Toronto. Um, and it's it was a bit of a shocker for me because twofold. Number one, I didn't think the Knicks were going to be willing to part with RJ. He had shown improvement over the last few seasons. And, you know, maybe they just decided that you know, he wasn't in the future plans or they thought he wasn't ever going to get much better than what he had shown. And 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 to be fair, that's that's not very fair to him. He was average 20 points a game last year, which is not, you know, nothing to hold your nose up against here. Uh, and it seemed like he was grasping the Tibbs type of mentality and and was fitting in really well. And, and you know, maybe some of those clutch points and, and some shooting woes got in the way of him having a longer career with the New York Knicks, but it does make sense that he would go to Toronto where he's from and go be, you know, the new big name in that city and kind of hold the the banner uh, for Canadian players and for the Canadian franchise. So that, that is a nice fit. And then the other side, the reason that it surprised me as well is because it seemed like they, the, the Toronto was offered a lot more for OGN and Hobie than what this trade ended up being. While I agree, I think quickly and RJ will make an impact. They're going to be good players. Uh, and I think, you know, hopefully they'll be able to turn something exciting around in Toronto with these guys. Uh, I was just a little shocked because it seemed like last year OG was offered for a couple firsts or at least one first rounder. And I know that the Grizzlies were in there. A couple other teams were in there. Maybe the Kings even might have been in, in for OG last year. Uh, and possibly could have done the deal if it was offered at this kind of a rate for what what they ended up getting. Uh, but I do think overall, while it was surprising, uh, it does make some sense. And I think this is the first the first thing I'll mention. I, I, I like the fit for both. I think OG is going to fit great in, in New York. I think he's going to fit the system great. I think Pre- Precious especially may have been the catalyst for this trade because the Knicks are dealing with consistent like you know season ending injuries for all of their bigs right now and not maybe not season ending but i know uh, uh mitchell robinson's out for the year and i know a couple of other their bigs have gone down recently so maybe precious would have been it could have been the icing on the cake to say fuck it all right fine we'll give you rj and quickly give us og and you give us precious because we need another big body down there uh, but it does feel like outside of the fits of those key players that there's more for the knicks to do and I know the Knicks are all excited. I'm seeing a lot of rumors thrown around about what their next move is going to be. Is it going to be DeJounte Murray? Which, again, I don't quite understand that. You know, been a lot of rumors about him going to the Lakers. But it, it is clear that DeJounte probably needs a new destination. I would just be a little shocked if they do another trade for a guard that's kind of already what Jalen Brunson offers the Knicks. So I don't I think that's that. going to... Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to be the move. But the one that is potential, and I think... I don't know how it gets done right now, but the, the Carl Anthony Towns trade is always looming there. It's been years in the making um, with, you know, the new uh, front office that's up in, in the New York Knicks there. And, and you know, Carl Anthony Towns had been on, you know, the dartboard for them. And it seems like for several years, but it does seem like potentially they could get something done here and move on, you know, add add more pieces to this team to make them more of a contender than they currently are. Uh, and I don't know. You know, Minnesota being as good as they are right now, still at the top of the West. I don't know why they would want to get rid of Carl Anthony Towns. He's having a really good year. 
shooting the ball really well. Him and Gobert are figuring it out. They have the number one defense in the NBA, I believe, or it's, you know, top three uh, fluctuating back and forth uh, into the top three. But I will say if, if Julius Randle is involved in the trade for Carl Anthony Towns, that could potentially, you know, help the Minnesota Timberwolves make it, make the trade happen. I'm not saying they would want that, but, you know, recently in the, in the game that the T-Wolves played against the Lakers, Carl Anthony Towns was like not there, was like a shadow of himself. And they have Nas Reed just like ready to go. Who's like, I actually think might be a better version of what Carl Anthony Towns provides for, (laughs) for the T-Wolves. And definitely cheaper. Right. And if you throw in Julius Randle in there, um, you know, that, that could, that could look pretty interesting because cat, what he, what he lacks, um, you know, as far as physicality and, and ball handling, um, and you know, maybe, maybe Julius is a better fit next to Gobert and I don't know, but I'm just thinking that what seems to be the case is, is the Knicks are just starting whatever moves I think they're going to try and make. So maybe that, maybe this is the only trade that happens. And if it is, I think it'll be an interesting tweak and I'm looking forward to seeing what both of these teams look like now, but I do think there's going to be more for the Knicks in the, in the next you know couple of weeks. I don't like, I mean, what's going on in Minnesota is working, you know, yeah. and yeah, there's going to be lapses against AD and the Lakers with, with cap, but I wouldn't touch that. And the only asset that the Knicks really have right now is to move on from Julius. Right. So, um, while I think I don't I, I I don't necessarily think that this pushes the needle for either one of the franchises. Right. I think it's a good pickup for the Knicks. It doesn't put them over the top. Like, oh shit, these guys are going to win the East. Nah, but they're good building blocks. As far as Toronto goes, I love it. It's time to rebuild, anyways. Let's go yeah. young. Scotty's turned into something really special. You know, he's obviously getting better every season. Uh, and then with quickly, who knows what this guy can be when he gets the green light? You know. Uh, I love how quickly plays. They got really good players up in Toronto. It's it's a building block. And if you're going to move on from Pascal at some point, that can generate some really good assets, maybe more draft picks. What's crazy is they uh, Washington came out to sit today and said that Kuzma is going to warrant multiple first round picks. And I'm like, okay, well, if Kuzma <laughs> can get that, then what, what's the, and you know what? I like Siakam's to stay where he's at up there with this team. I, w- I want to see more. Of, of this team together. So while it doesn't push the needle for both franchises, I think they both got players that they needed. I think OG is going to fit in perfectly in New York. Again, another Tibbs guy, but doesn't push the needle. Do I think that, that the Knicks are done? Uh, I don't think that they're done. But if I'm Minnesota, I know how bad they want Carl Anthony Towns, but if I'm Minnesota, I, I'd be yeah skeptical about it because whatever they're doing is working, right? Definitely. Yeah. Minnesota's crushing it this year. And I, I, I'm i with you. This is like the wrong year to try to go for Carl Anthony Towns. It would have been last year. Last year would have been the perfect mm-hmm. try, time to try and swoop in when, when shit looked terrible and they, they were struggling to score and struggling to defend. And, uh, you know, and I think Carl had a couple injuries last year. So, so did Gobert at, at some point as well. But, you know, this year it's really going to be tough to pry him away. And so maybe it doesn't happen this year. And maybe the move the domino comes, you know, later, or maybe it's not Carl Anthony Towns at all. Like it could be some other move that we're not thinking about or not being able no, to. No, you see know it. what the move would be? I mean, when you think about it about Minnesota, is at some point you're gonna have to think like, holy shit, Nas is is pretty damn good. He fits our whole system, doesn't require a bunch of shots, spreads the floor really well. He's a lot cheaper. I told you how much I wanted Nas reading the offseason. Yeah, yeah. And then when I saw what he was signed for, you're like, damn, dude, we really missed the boat on that. 
But at some point, you might be able to move on from Cat when you have a guy like Nas, you know? And then That's obviously what I'm you thinking. got a Rudy. That's what mm -hmm. I'm thinking, too, is like you get off a lot of money by letting Carl go. And they just signed Nas to a very, very like team-friendly deal. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the numbers were, but I remember it being, you know, maybe 12 it's or like 15. like 11 a year. Yeah, it's something yeah. minimum uh, for Nas. And so... That's why that's why I think that there is still a crack in the door for the possibility of Carl being traded this year. I just don't think it's going to happen because Minnesota has waited a long time to be this good. And the last thing you want, especially if you're a Minnesota fan, is like, oh, we're on the top of the West. We're we're in the January. We're still number one in the West. Oh, and we're going to trade one of our three best players, probably our second best player uh, in Carl Anthony Town. So I, I, I would be shocked if they did it. But because Nas is so good, there is an option there. And I don't I also think, you know, teams should still want Nas Reed. He's spectacular and should be probably a starter. I really think he should be a starter. You know, maybe he's not the best defensive player out there, but he's he's long. He's pretty quick. Uh, he's competent defensively and he's a hell of a three point shooter. He's turned himself into. Uh, so teams should also want to trade for him, right? Like if the Knicks were going like, fine, keep Carl, give us Nas, right? Like, and we'll, we'll make something happen there. I also think Minnesota would want to prize him. So it's just kind of be an interesting couple of weeks from Minnesota, because my guess is they're probably not looking to sell. They're probably also looking to add, right? So if I'm Minnesota, we're just going on tangent here now, but if I'm Minnesota, <laughs> I'm going after Alex Caruso, right? I'm keeping everyone. Uh, the Knicks, you can go fuck off. You can figure this out when, when Carl Anthony town becomes, uh, a free agent i'm going after a backup point guard so i it, that's my target if i'm minnesota i'm I'm saying no to all big trans uh, trades um and i'm and i'm actively trying to figure out a way to get caruso or somebody like caruso i think i saw that uh tyus jones is available um you know somebody like that for a, a solid backup point guard role because they're biggest there too right they're weakest, yeah, that's right. And they're weakest. Well, you could also do Suggs. Suggs is also a Minnesota guy, right? So maybe Orlando, you know, wants to give up Suggs for some reason. Um, but anyway, it, it, I think Minnesota's weakest link is their backup point guard role right now. They they don't have a lot that in the in the form of uh, you know coverage for Mike Conley, and you know he's been pretty healthy over the course of his career. But you know he's not susceptible. He's getting older now. Not susceptible to an ankle roll or a tweak of some sort. And I think that's something that. You know, if I was a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, I would be looking very, you know, anticipatory, like who who are we going to get to to help us out in the backcourt? But anyway, back to the the original topic. Uh, it's the first trade of the season, really. You know, when you think about it, first major move of the season. I do think there's going to be several other dominoes that fall uh, outside of this one. And it should be a pretty active. I think it should be a pretty active close to the trade window. Uh, one last thing on Minnesota, though. I also think they shouldn't be in a hurry to try to make an addition or subtraction to their team because if it ain't broke, then don't fix it. You know what I mean? I, I think you're right with a backup point guard. Caruso would be a great fit. Uh, but whatever they're doing is working right now. But you know who needs a trade, Drew? A lot of trade talk. You know, I, I was going to wait till further on in the show. But a lot of drama, shocking drama happening with the Lakers right now. <laughs> now the Laker fans are asking for Darvin, Darvin Ham's head on a stick right now. There's been a disconnect in the locker room. Lakers have lost nine of their last 12, 10 different starting lineups, three different lineups in the last three games. Austin Reeves was interviewed after the, after the loss in Miami, and he, he referred to the vibes in the locker room as shitty. Uh, and he said, not because we don't like each other, it's just losing causes shitty vibes. 
Um, Braun didn't talk to the media after that game. AD, AD talked to the media, expressed the frustrations. Braun had um, a terrible fucking game. Like, that's probably why he didn't talk he did. to the media. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Braun talks to the media a lot, and so mm-hmm. I guess you're allowed to to not speak at times. But, th- you know, I, I think that was a, a time to say something. Right. And you can't be, you know, when when – Shit's going well. You know, LeBron is the first one to stand up and say something, but things aren't going well right now. Uh, a lot, a lot of talk in Lakerland, and uh, a lot of it has to do with the, you know, the the players are upset at the rotations. You have been Laker Nation has been upset with the rotations and whatnot. And the first person that's going to go is obviously Darvin Ham. But I'm at I'm at this point. Like, look, dude, the window's closing on Bron. Like firing another coach and bringing another coach in the time. There's no time for that right now. And if there's disconnect within the locker room of the Lakers, then guess what, Braun and AD? Get the fucking house in order. That's your job as vets and leaders. Get the, get the team on the same page. Guess what, Jackson Hayes and Vando? If you're not playing great, you're not going to be in the rotation, right? And I think Darvin's doing everything he possibly can can do he's trying everything that he can do and it comes down to not being able to knock down shots mm-hmm. there the defensively it's not working offensively it's not working bronze 39 years old how many times are we going to say this this year ad and this is the thing braun is is playing well ad is having the best season of uh, i don't want to say his career but shit he's been healthy the whole year he's 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 been phenomenal and it's the rest of the guys that really need some work, right? Yep. And, you know, we praised all these free agents that they signed. Yes, I understand health is an issue. It's an issue with every NBA team. Gabe Vincent's not there. Uh, you know, Vando's not working out. Cam Reddish isn't working out. Uh, and, and I think Darwin's trying his best to find some cohesiveness. But the coach can only do so much. You as the veterans uh, need to come in and make the shit happen. That's just my opinion. And it'd be a really bad. This is what happens with Braun, Drew. And I know you're going to touch on this. Is what happens when shit goes south. Ah, man, it ain't me. <laughs> it ain't me. It ain't AD. It's obviously the rest of you motherfuckers that aren't doing what you're supposed. Ah, oh, no, it's Darvin. But look, this isn't 28 year old LeBron anymore. The window is very, very thin right now. And to bring in a new coach with a new system is just going to take more freaking time. I think they need to figure it out now. Hold the players only meetings. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what the answer is as far as rotation goes. I think you need to go back to like how you started the season. I mean, is uh, Austin Reeves as your third best player? He needs to be the guy, uh, he needs to be starting in the basketball games. You need another playmaker on the floor. Um, and I, I, I know they're going to be buyers at the trade deadline, but like, what, what are you going to get for d We, we talked about this on the last show, so I don't want to spend all this time on d but I don't necessarily know what 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 the answer is. I don't think it's Zach Levine. I don't because defensively, when you look at the players, the wings and, and the length that you guys have, there's a lot there. Like there's a lot to work with there. And when it works, it, it you know, it's scary. And I'm not ready to write off the Lakers. This is very familiar from last year, too, right? Like shit, we were we were uh, you know scared about the Lakers. This isn't gonna work, and then they're able to turn it on. But one one last thing before I let you go, you know, I thought Russell Westbrook was the problem in the locker room. I thought he was the, the the reason why there's disconnect in the locker room. What, what what's up? Who is who's the issue in the locker room, and why isn't there any cohesiveness? 
I think this is Braun's job because we all know AD is not the alpha, right? AD is not the guy that's going to be slamming heads and holding people accountable. It's Braun. So get the house in order, LeBron. Fix this shit and and don't let another coach out of there. Like ride this out with Darvin Ham because I don't know who the who the next bet you're gonna bring. Who are you gonna bring in, man? But what's gonna be the answer? You gonna go? Who's up? D'Antoni is that who you want now? Boone you Walzer. want Mark Jackson? Bo- coach Bud is that the answer? But that's where I'm out on this. Tell me, am I wrong? No, no, and and I I honestly don't think we're gonna fire Darvin Ham this year. I really don't. I don't see like you're saying. I, I really don't see it working very well if we have to introduce a brand new head coach into this team, and then and then immediately expect some sort of game changing turnaround uh, that'll vault us to where we need to be in you know six months. Like that's just not that that doesn't make any sense. So. I will say it's okay to apply pressure, right? And this is what LeBron James, uh, you know, and his team, I'll just say his team, like not the Lakers, but his like PR and management team are very good at time and time again, year after year. uh, If you are on LeBron's team, you will have uh, pressure applied to you. (laughs) Sometimes via Twitter, directly from LeBron, sometimes via Shams or Woj or one of these guys that he uses to leak out his opinion. Uh, without having direct to directly say it to your face or to the media himself. Uh, so this is what's happening right now. The Lakers are in a goddamn awful, awful streak right now. We cannot score the ball. This is not news. We covered this on the last podcast. We need a trade. We covered that as well. We want shooters. We need scoring. I don't I, at this point, clips. I don't care if it's Zach Levine. I don't care if it's Tyler Hero. I don't care who the fuck it is. We need someone who can score the ball and someone who can shoot the ball. Uh, in the Chicago game, our most recent game, we only had six total players score. Six players. We only scored ninety-six points. And you know, not uh, sorry, that wasn't that wasn't Chicago. That was against uh, Miami. Uh, in that Miami game, we only had six total players score. And unfortunately, LeBron did have not his you know standard performance, at least you know as as we're used to. Uh, and we you know we we lost pretty handily. But the 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 issue I think, and, and I'm I'm with you on on your thoughts on Darvin Ham. Uh, it would be one thing for people to complain that he's not doing anything if he wasn't changing the lineup, right? You just said ten different lineups. He is trying. He's he's going. <laughs> it's the Rubik's cube, right? He's like, all right, we'll try this version. Nope, that's not it. We'll try this version. And it and what what continues to happen is. Uh, you know, it, it it's it's our core wings at the moment. Cam Reddish, Torian Prince, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, and Hachimura, all four of them are really shitting the bed. And you would say, you know, that's pretty unlucky for the Lakers and for Darvin Hamp. For all four of these guys to be playing as bad as they are, Cam Reddish and Torian Prince started the season really great. Torian fell off a cliff. He hasn't really been able to get back up again. Cam Reddish is still a very solid defensive player, as is Torian Prince, pretty solid defensively. Uh, but Cam Reddish's jump shot has completely evaded him. Jared Vanderbilt is like scared to look at the rim these days. I can't remember us missing more layups. I mean, in the game against Minnesota that I referenced, LeBron and Anthony Davis were spectacular. The rest of the team shot 30%. Uh, so it's just one of these things right now where we cannot score the ball. 
and that is not Darvin, Darvin Ham's fault. He can try to draw up plays. He can try to get guys in the right spots. And I think what you're witnessing constantly when you watch Laker games is not like a mismanagement um, and an incapability of us getting open shots. Because that is what the coach is designed to Coaches are in there to help you get open looks, right? Help your team get open shots. We are We are achieving that. We just can't make the open shots. So I don't know what else we can expect from any head coach. And whether that be Budenholzer that we bring in, who is a very pragmatic system guy, very rigid, uh, wouldn't even let Giannis play more than 30 minutes during the regular season, uh, does have success, of course, with Giannis. But I don't think he's going to come in and then, you know, be the buddy buddy to LeBron and let LeBron run the show the way that he loves to do when when he has a head coach. Darvin is the perfect head coach for LeBron because LeBron is the end of the line. He's the say the, the end all be all. And he doesn't want another guy that's going to come in there and challenge that and say that actually, no, no, no. I am in charge here, not you. Right. So I think Darvin Ham is safe. I don't think anyone else on this roster is safe other than LeBron or Anthony Davis at this point. And and I'll end it with this. Those two guys are spectacular. Anthony Davis is having you said it, the, maybe the best year of his career. It's certainly the best year that he's had in a Laker uniform and probably the best in the last 10 years. Uh, he's not shooting the ball very well. He's you know not hitting threes or whatever, not like that six threes a game thing that we started the season with. That's kind of fallen to the wayside. Uh, so he's not shooting threes, but he is scoring at will. He is rebounding. He is blocking shots. He had five steals in a game recently. Uh, he is doing everything for us, as is LeBron. And LeBron... As I mentioned, just had he had a poor game recently, but he has been very, very, very good for this whole season. So those two guys, I couldn't be more proud of, like especially Anthony Davis. Like he is really bringing it this year, and thank God for him because if if it wasn't for Anthony Davis and LeBron, especially those two guys, I don't know how many wins we would have. Truthfully, like if one of those guys was out, even right, like it has like it's been in the past couple seasons where we're missing one of them for a period of time. I literally don't know how many wins we would have. We need both of them to be on fire for us to win a game these days. So I'll end it with this. Uh, Darvin Ham is trying. And I think the unfortunate part about what has happened is we're getting the worst of all of the players that we signed. Uh, where in in reality, when you sign these guys or re-sign these guys, you're going to assume maybe one or two have an offseason season. Maybe one or two have a right on target or better than average season. And the, and the averages are are really against us right now. It's not happening. Uh, I keep waiting for Hatch and Murr to, to, to click. I keep waiting for uh, Torian Prince to be able to, you know, have the ball in his hands for more than two seconds without either having to immediately shoot it, turn it over, or try and fire it back to whoever passed it to him. Like, it's a hot potato. Uh, and I keep waiting to see Cam Reddish or D'Angelo Russell or one of these guys step it up. And it's just not going to happen. So there is a trade in in, in the works. Um, it, it, it has to be. And that is not on Darvin Ham either. That is on Rob Palinka and the, the rest of the front office. So I think the heat needs to be directed directly at the players. You got to earn that paycheck, baby. You got to earn that money. We're giving you all very good money to be on this team. And we are squandering one of the last years of the second greatest player or first greatest player that we've ever seen. And one of the best years Anthony Davis is ever going to have. We can't fuck this up and it's not Darvin Ham's fault. We need new players in there or the players got to pick themselves up by the bootstraps and figure this the fuck out. Do you think that there's even with 
the team that you have right now? Like if everybody's playing as they should be playing, do you think they have a championship shot though? Because like the, the other thing about this is everybody in the West is getting better, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody is. So, you know, what's the trade? It's it's like, we just talked about Toronto and New York. Like what's the trade that's going to actually push the needle for the Lakers? Cause LeBron needs to help, man. Like no matter what, you're still 39, right? Like he can't be Superman forever. And, and he keeps defying those, those odds all the time. But, you know, I, again, I'll, I'll propose this question to you. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of out there as far as trades go and whatnot. But what about Bones Highland? You still don't want Bones? Like he still said, this is a playmaking guy that could shoot, that can get buckets. The guy's not scared of anybody. Um, he I'll give he you, wants I'll a give place you, to thrive in. I'll give you Bones for uh, like Jackson Hayes. No, I'll give you Bones. Oh yeah, I take it. I don't actually, I don't, we don't need another big. We got all three. Like I don't, I like bones isn't, is not, not what we need. Just, just very frankly, we don't need him. Uh, I would take him because we don't have a third guard. And right now, D'Angelo Russell's injured. So we don't have many guards, but I would take him for like a Gabe Vincent trade or D'Angelo Russell trade, or one of these very, very, very fringe player, Torian Prince. Maybe I'd give you Torian Prince for, uh, Bones Highland, but that's not what we need. We don't need a point guard ball handler. We need someone who can score. And I, I understand Bones can score. Uh, I what I'm looking for is more of a uh, someone who can play off of Austin Reeves, provide some level of defense, and some really accurate shooting when you're open. I mean, it it, it sounds so simple. But that's that's literally all we need. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I've offered up a whole lot of options in the last podcast uh, as far as, you know, different guys that we can look at. But, you know, at this rate, like I'm saying, Clips, at this rate, DeJounte Murray looks a lot better this week than he did last week. You know what I mean? Like when I was like shooting that shit down, like I don't need DeJounte. Bring on. Let's get DeJounte. Right. Like, yeah. let's, you know, let Levine. Come on home, baby. Like let's go. Let's go back to UCLA. We'll get you up in in the Poly Pavilion. Uh, you know, I I, I am. <laughs> where, where Kevin Herter was just put to the bench. Kevin Herter just thrown on the bench in in Sacramento. You would love Kevin Herter. You would love to have Kevin. I got no problems Herter. with Kevin Herter. Can we trade for Kyle Kuzma again? Right? Can we bring back some of our guys? I don't. I, you don't it, have any of the I'm, firsts. Th- this is the thing. Is like it, there is so many options for us. I just don't know how many of those teams and those franchises are going to want to part ways with these people, right? And 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 you know it's funny specifically with what we have to offer. We still have, I think, we still have the 2029 first round pick that we can offer folks that is very highly prized. So, in my opinion, and this is what happened when all the news around the last trade was like, oh, the 27 and the 29, like we should we need to keep those. It's like why? Why would we need to keep those? Fucking trade that thing, and let's bring in somebody who can score the ball. That's where I'm at. You know what's great is like all the players that make sense for the Lakers right now. I'm gonna name a couple of them. Caruso would be, be awesome, right? Jordan Laker. Clarkson, awesome. Laker. Josh Hart, awesome. Laker. That's what I'm saying. Like these, these, these are the guys that would be a perfect fit for the Lakers. Like you would give anything for it. Like I, Schroeder, you would love to have Jordan Clarkson right now. Right? Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> Patrick Beverly. 
Kyle Kuzma. All these guys are former Lakers. So look, KCP. I don't think it's panic button. Yeah, right. KCP would be perfect. Uh, I don't think it's panic button time yet. It's just funny when you when you're on Laker Twitter or on social media. Yeah. The first thing Laker fans do, casual Laker fans do, is like fire the fucking coach, fire right. the coach. It's we should have kept Frank Vogel. This is this is my truthful and yes. honest belief. We won a championship with this man and discarded him as though he stabbed us in the back somehow, or like mm -hmm. I don't know, like sold his championship ring to a Boston Celtics fan so it could be lit on fire. Like I, I just don't know why we got rid of Frank Vogel so hastily. He should have been, he should still be our coach. He's the head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, tough task for him right now, obviously, but like that should have never changed. And the only reason I think it, it did, Clips, is I do think that there is a line in the sand with LeBron. And with any head coach he brings, I've already touched on this, but it, I think maybe Vogel was like, I, you know what, LeBron, I am the head coach and I'd like to set some, some guidelines and some boundaries and, and make some decisions on my own without having to necessarily consult you or have you correct me or change, you know, any sort of point of view. Um, and look, the Lakers hit a skid in that next season because we traded away all of our championship contending team. Uh, so that's not, again, that's not Vogel's fault wasn't Vogel's fault that we traded away literally half of our championship roster. So um, we're back in the same playbook. This is the LeBron playbook. Uh, you know, I, it's hard for me to believe that I'm actually defending Darvin Ham because I actually don't think he's a brilliant head coach, but I also think he's doing fine. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, right. you know, I don't know where, what else we would do uh, as far as bringing in another coach. It, it better not be Doc Rivers, right? What are we going to do with that? So... There's that. Well, he would love it. He lives He lives in L.A. and he's available. You know what I mean? I mean, th that would probably be the first person they would look at. Uh, yeah, again, if he's willing to take a backseat to LeBron. We'll, yeah, we'll... So that's. I guess that's the thing, right? It's not easy to coach a LeBron team. It's definitely not. Um, and you have to get the right players around them. But look, the, the, the window's closing, though. You got to do something. I don't think it's panic button yet at all. Uh, it's, oh, I'm it's, definitely it's panicking there, look, though. Look, look, look the, the panic button is pushing because, I, I mean, it's on. The panic button was pushed uh, you know, a week and a half ago because we can't win a game right now. And and the panic button is the roster. So that's the panic button because there is a deadline. We have we have to make a trade before the trade deadline ends, right? So this is that is what I'm panicked about. I'm panicked that we're not going to be able to make a move or get a good player before this deadline hits and then we're going to be fucked right and then we're going to be having to really hope that these guys turn it around uh by some miracle i mean i i don't know man at this point if, if the lakers don't have fired their shooting coach and brought in a new shooting coach like that's a coach i would like to fire right let's get it let's bring in somebody new right i know i know handy phil handy down there is you know does does a good job for, for <laughs> i mean but you know this, this Phil, is, Phil's not even there anymore, I think. Is no, it Phil he, with Toronto or something? No, he stayed. He stayed. He's still there. He's, still he's on there? the bench. But like right now, he's he should be on the hot seat. Like it's like, Phil, what are we doing here? Can we get some of these guys to shoot twenty five percent from three? Thirty percent from three? <laughs> like what do we do? Lakers need to call a lethal shooter in. I just saw him do a whole, whole segment of shoot just not just buckets from a treadmill, three pointer running on a tread. Like hire lethal shooter. Get everybody over there. Uh, uh, so Drew's pushing the panic button. Uh, things need to be done with the Lakers. Changes need to be made. And that goes for a lot of other teams as well. But, you know, last night was Thursday night. 
both TNT games were absolutely insane, mm-hmm. Drew. Uh, it was Wembo versus Freak, and then we had uh, Denver and Golden State. And I want to start really quick with with Wembo and Freak. This was a special game. Like, the hype for Wembo this year has been insane. Nobody's ever seen a player like him before. Same as 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 the Freak, too, as Giannis. Like, we've never seen a guy like that before. But I really feel last night's game... San Antonio and the Bucks was a gauging game for Wembo. And I was sitting there talking to myself, watching him play. And I'm like, this is where we're at in the NBA right now. A seven foot five unicorn that's going, throwing it off the glass to himself, dunk around the back layups, mm-hmm. blocking Giannis at, at the buzzer, knocking down big ass threes. Like, yo, this was the game where if I'm Wembo, even though they lost, they should have won that game. It would have been huge for San Antonio. But if I'm Wembo, I'm going back to the locker room like, yeah, dude, I, I'm good enough to be here. I, I can be here. There's a Definitely. couple things that need that I feel like he needs to work on. I think he's shooting way too many threes. Uh, but he hit shots when they mattered. He blocked shots when they mattered. And even at, after the game, Giannis is like, look, man, I've never seen a guy like this before. This is insane. And it's just crazy. Like, this is the NBA now. A seven-foot-five guy that moves like a guard, shoots like a guard, blocks like a center. It was insane. And it was such a fun game. Even, even the Bucks, though, too. Like, they were leaving Giannis wide open. And Giannis was knocking down big-ass threes. He had whatever he had. I think he had 40 or 38, whatever it he was. 44 I don't know the final number. Yeah. 44. Huge game for him. Obviously, the Bucks have defensive lapses and and uh, they have issues that they need to work on there. And 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 San Antonio is a whole nother story. But San Antonio, this was a big game for them. They should have won it, but their their players came out to play. And Wembo is something special. That's what I took away from the game. Like we all know he's special, but if 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 I'm Wembo, I'm looking at this game like, okay, man. I, I can be up there with give me a couple more years. Let me get a couple more pounds on me. But you can't guard a guy like that that moves like that. The block on Giannis at the end was so mm. funny because he exerted like zero energy too to get this block. It wasn't <laughs> like he, it was literally putting his freaking hands up. And the other thing I noticed was Milwaukee runs a lot of zone too. And how do, how do you break a zone? You break a zone at the free throw line, right? You got to break the zone, pass it to your big man at the at the at the free throw line, and find the other shots. Wembo is perfect for this, like absolutely perfect. Throw it up to the seven five guy, go to the corner, go to the dunker spot, whatever you got to do. It, it, it was beautiful, and there's still some some rawness with Wembo, obviously, but the IQ and the tangibles are all there. I just want him to stop settling for so many threes. Because he he was jacking them up, but mm-hmm. there was a there was a sequence last night where towards the end of the game, and this dude just pinned Lillard right, huge block on one side, came down and hit the game tying three in in uh in motion right, just stepped into the three, knocked it down, bucket, huge shot. So I was really impressed with Wembo last night. We'll talk about Golden State in a minute, but what was your takeaway from that game? Yeah, I, my takeaway is that Giannis has to relinquish the freak nickname because he looks so normal compared to the actual freak that is Victor Wenbanyama. It's like that should almost not be applicable for Giannis anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. That is a true alien walking amongst us. And he is 
unbelievable. Prior to this game, I think the the Phoenix Suns game that he had, where he went off, I think he had thirty eight in that game. Wembo, I'm talking about, of course. Uh, prior to prior to this game, that was his probably his best performance. I would argue that this one was even tougher because you are going up against a more formidable front line of of Brook Lopez and Giannis, and I also like I, he makes Brook Lopez look so small. Just on the court, I'm like, dude, Brook Lopez. I had the pleasure of watching him live a few times, uh, even even going back to my University of Arizona days, where he was at Stanford. We were there, we were in college at the same time. Him and his brother, and I was lucky enough to get you know uh, courtside seats to a, a game in which Stanford beat Arizona at a buzzer beater. Me and Jeff Crompton have to continue the streak of mentioning Crompton's name. Oh, we're uh, going to mention him in a second. So those are big dudes, right? Like. Seven foot one, legit seven one. It's it's crazy. And then you see how much bigger Victor Wenbanyama is next to this giant who's already a giant. It's it, it's mind mind boggling. So uh the thing that stood out to me is is the defense for for Milwaukee. This is gonna be a problem the whole season. It's not a shocker. We we know this. Uh they're scoring at a pretty high rate, so it looks okay. They beat this team. It was 125-121. They beat uh, the San Antonio Spurs, who have no business being in this game other than the stellar performance of Victor Wembanyama. Uh, so when you talk about Rookie of the Year contentions, and a lot of attention was pulled away from Victor because the Spurs are just dog shit, right? And Chet is on a team that's second in the West, and Chet's doing really good stuff. Chet ain't doing this, right? That's that is there's a big gap between what the best of Chet is thus far and what the best of Victor Wenbanyama is thus far. So, uh, and in Jaime Hawkins, who's also probably going to be in the running for rookie Ooh, of the year, Jaime, and, and even six man, right? Like Jaime is looking great. He's not doing that shit. He's not doing what Victor Wenbanyama just did in that game. So, uh, look, we I think we were we're all right. When we when we knew this was going to be some sort of generational talent, uh, we had faith. We saw maybe two or three games prior to him being over here in in the NBA, and all of it's really coming to fruition. Other than the fact that it doesn't seem like the Spurs give a fuck that they have him on their team. Like they just, it's almost like, oh yeah, we have Victor, <laughs> but like that that doesn't matter, right? Like we don't feature him. We don't we don't oh. actually have a point guard that tries to you know get him the ball in good spots or run plays for Vic. No. Nah. We 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 have we have players on our team that are actively avoiding throwing lobs to the tallest man on the court when in fact that would be the easiest play all the time, and I'm sure it's an adjustment for those guys, right? They're not used to having a seven foot six giraffe on the court just running up and down, uh, where they can just throw the ball up and and he'll go get There's it. There's no true point guard on the team. There's no this true point the guard on the team. So I, I, I very impressive, of course. I'm very impressed with Victor Wembanyama, and I'm excited for him to be in the NBA for the rest of as his career. I'm I'm very much looking forward to him developing and growing, and I'm just hopeful that at some point, it obviously is not going to be this year, but maybe next year, they actually start to try to win and build around him because he is that special. I I truthfully believe, if given the opportunity this year, if given the opportunity, I think he could average 25 and 10 for the rest of this year. If given the actual opportunity and and put out there with uh, uh, a real <laughs> basketball team that has a point guard uh, that that wants to win ball games, so uh, nervous about the Bucks defense, but so impressed with this kid Wembenyama. And my hope is that San Antonio fucks this up and the Lakers get him in like six years. 
You know, the, they do have the pieces in San Antonio. There are, I mean, Vassell is nice. Yeah. Uh, Vassell is nice. They, they have uh, Keldon nice Johnson isn't that good. I mean, he's good, but he's not He's not like some all-star, right? right? Vassell is probably their best player behind behind Victor. Right. And then the rest of the and team. Sohan is could, a great blue ship, guy. You could ship the rest of that team, bro. Yeah. I mean, I think after, I think players are going to catch on and be like, shit, I, I, I do really well with Wembo, right? Well, but and it's Pop it's that needs to catch things. on. Pop has to catch on, though. Yeah, I get it. He's got to start a point guard. Yeah, he was also, I mean, Wembo was on minutes restriction last night. He was supposed to only play 24 minutes, and that's the damage he did in 24 minutes. It's the little things. Obviously, we know the kid's good, but, like, I saw him block – uh, a Connaughton three in the corner and yeah. not just a, a, a normal block. Like it was at the peak of the shot block. Like anybody in the last time I saw that was that Zion, Zion and Duke. Remember that play where he came from the other side and like, and ver vertically got like Wembo can do that. And then the, the, you know, pinning Lillard on a, on a normal layup. So yeah. easy doing for, you don't see Giannis get blocked a lot, man, ever. Right, like ever, and he had a really hard time with that shot at the right time. The guy's got a nose for defense, so you're right, Drew. Like maybe Popovich needs to be called out a little bit. Like if if this is going to be our star, we need to sell tickets. Right. It'd be great if this guy got a post game. Like if he got a Scott a hook, a jump hook, man. He like there's need, nobody uh, stopping that. He doesn't really need a whole lot of other moves. I think he'll develop a sky hook. He'll develop all these other things to to take advantage of his length. I think he's already just doing it. He's already so long that he's just playing. And it's good, right? And especially when his jumper is falling, when that three is falling, it's a whole nother monster uh, yeah. to have to consider to do any to deal with at all. And 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 I think maybe the thing that I might be taking for granted is maybe this was already communicated to Victor and his people, uh, as his you know his team and management team is like, we're not worried about this year. This year is just a get right year. Make sure that you don't get injured year. Make sure that we still have a really high pick next year. So there's another guy that we can put on the same quote unquote developmental path and all the years kind of sync up that way. Yada, yada, yada. Maybe that was already communicated to Victor and he was like, cool. Cause I, what I don't see a lot of from him is a lot of complaint. I don't see a lot of complaining. I think he's Sometimes his body language is a little like, ugh, like, you know, nobody likes losing, especially when you're that guy, you don't lose a lot of games. Mm -hmm. uh, but outside of that, I don't see him really, you know, having much of an issue with what is taking place. And maybe that's just him taking it all internally and, and doing the things that he's supposed to do as a professional to like, you know, make sure that he's not stepping on toes and, and coming out in the press and saying like in his first year, like this sucks. Uh, but, you know, just doesn't make any sense. It just, it makes no sense. The Sohan thing at point guard is a fun experiment. I'm, I'm with it. This is the year to experiment. We're not trying to say that Victor needs to go to the Western Conference Finals in his rookie year, but the experiment has run its course. It doesn't work. Uh, so we got to move on and get into some more like realistic realm of realm of things here. Like, uh, and, and again, maybe this, I going back to like the free agency period, I thought San Antonio would have, you know, a lineup of some pretty good free agents or at least one or two free agents that they were going to bring in to surround Victor Wenbanyama with on this year and next year, like for the first three years of his development. And they didn't do any of that this year uh, for the off season. So you know, maybe this is just what they're what they're in for, and maybe Victor's cool with it. But it seems like a wasted, wasted year, and we don't know how many years think, bodies like that have, right? We just don't know how many years bodies like that have. As good as he is, and as pliable, he can touch his toes, he can do the splits, all this stuff that he can do. You still just don't know when you're seven foot five. Shit can go wrong, and all it takes is a very small bone in your foot 
and and you could be out for a long, long time. I think the Spurs should check the ticket on Jaden Ivey on the Pistons. I think that's what yeah. they should do. I think I would I would check that. See, Jalen Green, sellers. Jalen Green too. Yeah, yeah. Just go across same state, right? Like just uh, hop on the hop check on the, the train. ticket on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there was another game last night, and it was absolutely there is chaos in the Bay right now, Drew. Absolute chaos in the Bay. The Warriors go from probably having the best win of the season to their worst loss of the season <laughs> last night due to the Joker who's missed five shots in the past four games. That number is, is he's shooting like 86% yeah. in the past five games. That last second shot to beat the Warriors last night was absolutely insane. I could not believe it. It was funny. We've got to bring up Jeff Crompton in the middle of that game. I get one. I haven't heard from Jeff in a couple of days. And the text I get is send Wiggins to the G League. And I'm like, damn, damn, Jeffrey. And I brought up, I said, maybe he needs, maybe he needs a pep talk from Kerr. Cause like before this game, uh, it came out that that uh, one of the best sound bites of the year with Clay talking at the podium about the conversation he had with Kerr. And I, I kind of want to go over that really fast before we get into the, into the game. Um, he said, sometimes I forget just how successful and how lucky I've been to be a part of a championship team, all-star games, gold medals. You want to get back to that level so badly, you kind of get in your own way. Rather than forcing it, we had a conversation about enjoying the last chapter of my career, how lucky I truly am to still be playing this game, doing it at a high level, being a better mentor for these young guys, leading by example, and having my energy right the whole game. I thought it was a great vulnerable moment mm -hmm. for Clay, um, and it made me think about like, shit, that's what coaches do, right? You want, it's great when superstar players and your players in general listen to the coach. This is what they do, man. This is what Phil was so great at with his superstar players, yeah. being able to communicate and having the players listen, right? Being able to be Steve Kerr, who I think we all can agree at times. Yeah. Like maybe he's a little extra, but at the root of it, He's a great coach and he's a really great communicator. And I think Clay really needed that. We've all been talking about like shit, man. He's not looking the same. We get it. We're not hating on Clay. It's obvious. It's in front of our faces. We're seeing it happen. And then for Clay to actually sit back and be like, all right, something needs to change with me. His body language has been awful this year, too, right? He's mm -hmm. extremely frustrated with how he's playing. And I think he needed that conversation. So so that soundbite was great. And so I brought up to Jeff, like maybe, or Crompton, like maybe Wiggy, Wiggy might need a, a pep talk from Kerr. But like back to the game really fast. Things are in shambles in the Bay right now. With everything that's happening from with Draymond, you know, the decline of Clay to now Kuminga came out and said, look, I'm, I, he didn't play the last 18 minutes of the, those game, that game last night. And Kuminga's like, look, I'm not going to thrive here. You know, I'm not gonna, they're not going to use me. I'm not going to be put to my full potential in this place. And now Moody came out and said, you know, maybe me too. This shit ain't working out. And then again, when the, when the smoke settles, we have Steph Curry here, elite Steph Curry here, who's going to have to try to pick up the pieces at some point, at some point. And um, it's, 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 it's not going well in the Bay. And I don't know what the next step is. You got Draymond potentially coming back here soon. If Kaminga and Moody aren't happy right now, and that's your future, that's your young talent that you're, you, you, you know, you're going to have to move on from, what's the next play? And are you bringing Draymond back to this, this chaos? Is this what we're going to do? So 
what again, what turned into like that would have been a huge win for Golden State last night to 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 knock off Denver. They needed that. Some teams need let's just give me one win. Let me know that we still can pull this out, that we're still competitive. We can still compete with the best teams. And again, losing like that, it happens, right? Like just Joker throws up a fucking half court, which yeah. actually looked very natural, which is insane. Uh lucky shot to win. It's just defeating sometimes. And maybe Kaminga didn't really mean what he says. You say that kind of stuff in frustration at the end of a game. But not playing the last 18 minutes, man, like, I, I don't know, dude. What else do you want from Kaminga? What else do you want from this guy? You're not getting it from Wiggins. So what's the next move for Golden State, man? I I, I just don't know. And and as a, I, I hit Crompton up first thing this morning, I'm like, yo, did you have nightmares of the Joker 3 last night? And he's like, definitely, definitely had nightmares. So... On, on one hand, you can be like, all right, we lost a buzzer beater to the best player in the NBA, arguably. Uh, and on the other hand, it's just like super defeating if you're a Golden State fan. What's the next move? Because the dynasty right now, the dynasty's crumbling in front of our eyes. And, it's, I, I, and I know people are going to be upset that you say that, but it's true. This is the reality right now. The reality is the Draymond thing has probably run its course. Sorry to say it. It's probably run its course. Clay is Clay. This is the version of Clay that you have. We're not going to get back two-way Clay anymore. I don't think so. Can he still be effective and shoot three-pointers and, and play defense and spurts? Of course he can, but it's not the same guy. I I and you, I just don't know what the next thing is, man. And like you want to th – this is the time that you want to start planning for the future. And you have these guys in Kaminga and in Moody who might not fit the mold right now with this team, but you got to let these guys be free, right? I think there's a lot, there's a lot of good things I see in Kaminga. And if you're not giving it, getting it from Wiggins, then fucking let this guy, let this kid play. You need something, man. And I, I don't necessarily know what the next move is, but you have a lot of a lot of problems you're going to have to address, and and it's happening right now. The problems are. Draymond's coming back. What are we? What are we going to do with him? And then we have two frustrated, uh, two frustrated young kids on the squad. What do we do? What's the next move for for Golden State, Drew? What do you think? You know, I was recently been watching this um, documentary series on Netflix about World War II, and uh, I've been really That's getting the one into in it. color, right? That's right. They brought all the old footage yeah. out. Got it in color. It looks awesome, and it's much more engaging. I don't know for me. I don't know what it is about the black and white versus the color, but it it just jumped out to me. And I was I've been I've been lost in it for the last couple of weeks. And in history, obviously in World War II, uh, Hitler and and his people, and this is this is like I say in history, this happens sometimes where you're in a position of power and you get greedy, um, and you go stretch yourself beyond your means you stretch yourself too thin you try to do too many things attack on too many fronts and that can be your downfall and the reason i bring this up is because i think joe lacob and the ownership of the warriors overextended themselves they tried to attack on too many fronts while keeping the dynasty winning right now and then also building for the future it's never really worked in the nba the rosters are not deep enough just in, in just by man, like if you had a 20 man roster in an NBA uh, team, being able to develop guys, 
And then being able to win now would be much more feasible. But because you really only need eight or nine, ten at the most to win a championship, and those ten need to be locked the fuck in, you can't do both. And this is truthfully, I think, where the Warriors went wrong. Going all the way back to the James Wiseman pick and subsequent picks. Uh, and this is what the Lakers have done for a very, very long time is you ship those fucking picks and you get players now because you got to capitalize on the window, right? We just finished talking about the Lakers and their couple picks that people are coveting. And I think we should punt those. We don't need to draft that guy. We never do anything with that draft pick, right? We, we, we might as well just go undrafted route, pluck another Austin Reeves out of the sky. Uh, this is what the Warriors did wrong. And I think they should have shipped the second pick and they should have brought someone in that wants to win a championship that's capable of helping them win a championship that year and subsequent maybe two or three years after that. Same thing with the Kaminga and Moody pick. But Joe Lacob and the Warriors got greedy. They thought, we have this dynasty, these three guys, they're incredible, untouchable. They only need maybe three guys that can really help them. And by the time playoffs roll around this year those new draft picks that we got those young guys will be ready to contribute didn't work out so now we are where we are james wiseman's on detroit what did they get for him i can't even remember nothing a second rounder i don't even know what they got i don't remember either nothing essentially right right and moody and kaminga are pissed because guess what it's still steph curry and clay and draymond's team even though it's probably their time. It's probably time that those guys play more than play, certainly, and Wiggins at this point, too. Uh, the moves have to be made. There has to be discussions about who to move. And if you are aligning with Steph Curry, which they clearly have, given their stance and contract scenarios, then you keep Clay and Draymond, you ship the young guys, and you go get a team that can win right now. That's what you do. This is what you do. You, you you ship the guys, you ship your picks, and you go try and get somebody. Like an OG Ananobi would have been a good example, right? Just firing off the hip. Like, could you have traded Kaminga and Moody for OG Ananobi? Or could you have traded Wiggins and Moody for OG Ananobi, right? Like some version of that. And we talked last podcast about Laurie Markkinen and what, what Utah is doing. There is going to be sellers. There currently are sellers. Uh, you just got to find them out and get them something that's attractive that, that can help you win right now. And I'm not going to be able to outline all those options because they do have stuff that people want, right? While I'm on, I might not be a huge believer in Kaminga turning into an all-star, I still think he's going to be a very serviceable player and should have a long career in the NBA. And maybe he can prove me wrong, getting to a new destination, playing 30 minutes a game, taking 20 shots a game. Maybe he will become an all-star one day and maybe I'll eat my words. But it's time to cut the cord and make a decision. So the, there's two paths that they're currently walking down simultaneously, half and half. One of those paths not, needs to be cut right off. And you're not going to cut Steph Curry <laughs> off from this team. You should never do that. It should be Steph that eventually says, I'm either retiring or I'd like to go, this, the way that Damian Lillard did for Portland. And then you you follow that request. So you're keeping that. You got to cut ties with the young ones. And you got to do it now. There's no other reason to do it later. Uh, unless, of course, if you can sit down with Steph and you say, look, this year's going to suck, right? We're going to keep you. Obviously. There's no time for that. There's no time for that. We're going to keep you, Steph. 
we're going to keep these young guys and we're going to trade Clay and Draymond and we're going to get even younger and deeper and have some promising guys that maybe next year or the year after we can contend with. Why would Steph want to do that? Why would he agree to that? Doesn't make any sense. But you could talk to him that in that way and say, look, this is what we want to do. It's time to turn over a new leaf. And this is the path we're going to go down. And I'm assuming if you had that conversation with him, he'd be able to voice his opinion on that. And then, you know, you would know where you stand. But right now, they are stuck. And there's a fork in the road, and they're staring right down the barrel. And they just got to choose. I, I I disagree a little bit about, I mean, you look what Denver's done, right? They draft well, and then they bring their players along. Uh, they, you know, with Joker and Jamal and Brown and, and you know. Those guys are all Porter, young. All guys. Those guys are already young. Yeah, Joker's young Joker's not building Joker's, towards a championship. Joker's not 30 plus. Jamal Murray's not 30 plus. Those guys are all young and they just got to a championship. They're not on the back end of something where, and by the way, those young players might be the reason that they don't make it back <laughs> to, to the finals this yeah. year. If you've, if you've seen their bench play, those young guys really need to, to earn their minutes here. And, and I think this is the difference. The major difference is the step is what is it? Step 37, 36. I don't know. He's up there. No, he's not that right. 36. He's 36 at least. Plays 35, Draymond right in there. Like this is there's a big difference between what's so Denver hard has. with Steph because he looks he looks 18. Right. He's got the baby face. So he'll maybe he can play to 42. But you get my point. They're in two different spots there. You know, Denver wasn't they're not on the back end. Denver is on the rise, and everyone's pretty young still, and they're they're reaching their potential. And all the guys, all most of their guys are roughly the same age, except for Michael Porter Jr. What about if you can get Wiggins to Toronto to try to get Siakam in there. I would do that again. This yeah. is this is the point I'm making. I don't care what version of the trades it is. They need to show Warriors fans and Steph Curry that they're trying to actively win now because that's why you have Steph on the team. There's no reason to have Steph on your team if you're not trying to win right now. So uh, Wiggins or Moody or Kaminga. Pajemski, maybe. I don't know. Odds. All of them have to be in consideration for a trade that can help that happen. So if it's if it's Pascal Siakam and like Gary Trent, fine. You know, like then then do that, right? If it's I don't know what else is out there for them, but if, if there's if there's more trades to be had, I, I then they just need to be investigating as much as they possibly can because it's really bad right now. You know what's really good right now, Drew? It's time for Clips Clipper Talk. We got to talk about the hottest team in the NBA, my friend. We got to <laughs> talk about the coach of the month, Ty Lu, 11 and 2 in December, 13 and 2 the last 15 games for the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard, there's no 50, 40, 90. He's in the 60, 50, 90 right now. Clippers have won 11 in a row with Kawhi in the game, 11 and 0 with Kawhi in the game. The past 11 games that he's been playing. The boys are clicking on all cylinders right now. And then a fun a fun thing that happened this week, Plum Dog Millionaire, the big homie Mason Plumley, is back <laughs> in action already. Yep. And he goes to Ty Lu, and he said, look, man, I don't want to mess anything up. You guys have been gelling right now. And uh, if when you need me, I'm here. But he's not coming in trying to steal minutes from Tyus. Look, I'm really happy right now. And it's funny. It's funny. Because now all the media is getting on it too. Charles Barkley comes out, yeah, the best team, 
best team in the West right now, Los Angeles Clippers. If Kawhi is healthy, these guys are going to win a title. Nobody was saying this shit. Nobody was saying this, even even myself, okay? But at least I'm the one. Eating crow was the the theme of our last show. And I, I just got to say, man, I, obviously I'm happy we're winning ballgames. Uh, I, I want to bring something up. Beating Phoenix, look, I know we're not supposed to have favorites and whatnot or hate on teams. You know I hate the Phoenix Suns. I've you been do. very adamant about you this. You do not I like them. I hate the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. I do not like them. I do not like Devin Booker. This is not a this is not a slight at Devin Booker. I still he's the top two guard in the NBA for sure. Yep. He's fucking nice. I don't like Devin Booker. And people want to talk about like there is no beef. We have beef with Phoenix, dog. Like we literally do not like there was five technicals in the game. Five. DG mm-hmm. and Book, as much as they don't there was five, dog. Even Bones got one on the bench talking shit to Bones ain't played in, in a month. You know what I'm saying? Like there is beef and there, and, and it's nice because we played these guys again on Monday and bro, that, that game, that game was over in the first quarter. Terrence man. Hey, Clipper nation. Where's all your Terrence man slander. Where's it been? You wanted to cut his head off and get rid of him two weeks ago, 12 points in the first quarter. The dude's doing massive damage. Yeah. He's coming. He's coming through. There's beef, man. We don't like them. They don't like us. It's so funny. The only, like, I mean, think about it, man. The last, the last uh, moment you remember, Chris Paul is in Patrick, Bev, Pat Bev, just pushing Chris Paul with the ultimate bitch move, pushing him in the back. The beef with Booker and 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 PG. The beef with Booker and and Terrence Mann. Like there is real hatred, and they don't want to say. They want to say, ah, oh, it's all respect. We're all competitive. Yeah, we get it, bro. But you don't like us, and we don't like you. And I'm allowed to be being a fan. You don't like the Boston Celtics, right? For Absolutely a reason. There, Absolutely. There's not. beef. The beef is real, and obviously Kevin Durant wasn't playing that game. That's a big. That's a big factor. And Clippers almost lost it too. Like we had a 20, we were up 24 on them. And this is kind of how it goes with the Clippers that, that there's a few things that are bugging me right now. And that's one of them. That is one of them. And you know, you got Russell rocking the baby to sleep on bowl bowl, which I'm like, oh, I still hate the rock, the baby. I still hate it. Yeah. Bowl bowl gave us the business too. Yeah. He had a good game. Um, he's still, he's still he not really going Banyama, but he had a good game. He's, he's not. Um, but look, I'm, I'm, there's something, there's something there. Like there, we we all have PTSD. Clipper fans do PTSD of uh, losing leads, blowing leads, losing games. Mm-hmm. It's been a, this has happened to us a lot. It, there's something uh, grounding. I want to say a grounding or something just like with James Harden. Okay, because we have this guy that he's been constantly hitting big shots for us. When our backs get like, it, when we have a 20-point lead and it gets down to 11, James is the guy that'll knock off six in a row for us. And nothing is being said about Kawhi Leonard. Literally nobody is talking about Kawhi and what this guy is doing. <laughs> nobody, Drew. Do you hear media starting the day off? with No, they want to talk about LeBron and him not talking to the media. Or they yep. want to talk about Wembo and his set, and they want to talk about Dame in, in Milwaukee. They want they're not talking about Kawhi Leonard, which is where he because, what, that's what he likes. That's what he likes, dude. I think it's it's a sweet that's spot fine. for Kawhi. I love the fact that they're not talking about us, but like, and I know I said it on the last show. People are waiting for the shoe to drop, right? They're waiting for something to happen for because, and I don't blame them. 
They're waiting for, I'm knocking on wood. They're waiting for Kawhi to get hurt. They're waiting for PG to get hurt. They're waiting for, for James Harden to get frustrated. They're waiting for Russell Westbrook to get pissed off. But like, look, dude, everything is working right now. And I'm saying that before we play our kryptonite in the Pelicans tonight. And you know how I said Wembo's gauge game was against the freak? Yeah. This is our gauge game. We haven't beat Miami in two years, right? And we beat Miami. No Jimmy Butler. Hawkes looked really nice. We we win that game. Phoenix still, they had Bradley Beal and they got Booker. And, and they should have competed a little better in that game. But whatever. Tonight, we're playing the Pelicans. I want to beat the Pelicans bad. I am highly impressed with the Clippers right now. And I should be. And having Mason Plumlee come back, doesn't that two months seem really quick? Right? Like it was really quick. <laughs> and we're already in January. So that's about two already months. in January. <laughs> uh putting up 140 points. Like the, the numbers we're putting up on the board defensively is where I'm I'm really uh impressed with the Clippers. We're locking in on defense. James has even been contributing highly on defense. Russell Westbrook is, I think his goal is he's been holding up the number one. He wants to be first team all defensive team. Those are the goals that I love for Russell right? He's not coming in there like, Hey man, I need to drop 25 points. Nah, you, you go to be on the, on the, the first defensive team. I love it. And he had huge steals in that game. Absolutely huge. He is a game changer for us. The vibes on the bench, the energy on the bench, the energy when he comes in, the, the, the thing that I want to bring up and, and I know you saw a lot of it on the Lakers, the thing that's frustrating to me and frustrating about Russell, like he does a lot more good stuff for us than he does bad, but like the layups, I don't understand. Like, I've never seen a basketball player miss more layups than Russell Westbrook. I don't I don't get it. It's I so don't know frustrating. If it's it is so frustrating. It is. And I don't know what it is because a lot of these – you know what I'm waiting for, Drew? And, I, and I, I'm glad this is on audio because I'm calling it – like, every game I'm waiting for Russell to have one bang out that's just so nasty. There was an alley-oop that I we, we put on our page and – Social media took away like Harden and Russ connected on this crazy alley-oop that was unbelievable. And Russ still has the bunnies, man. He's still yep. got the bounce. Like I'm waiting for Russell to come in and bang on somebody instead of doing this weird ass layup stuff. That's not really working. He misses more layups than he, than he makes in a game. A hundred percent. Yes, but I'll, that's correct. <laughs> but I will still take it. I'll still take this version of Russell Westbrook right now because, again, what he's bringing to the table for us on both sides of the floor and on the bench and in the mm -hmm. locker room uh, is, is worth its weight in gold. Now, one last thing. like I, I get why media and fans are not sold on the Clippers. We don't deserve you to all be bought in on us. I get it. You've seen this, you've seen this story before. Right. <laughs> um, no, you have. Yeah, but we ain't seen this. We ain't seen this version of Kawhi. Like healthy Kawhi and PG are not talked about enough. The num the numbers are there. If you look at the numbers when these guys play, the amount of open shots that these guys are getting and look and and you know Paul George is the one eating the most off of all this. You know because of of what Harden commands on the offensive end. So. Everything is great in, in Clipperland right now. I am extremely happy with where we're going. I love to hear Ty Lue say we're not even we're not where we, I want to be offensively with the team, which I love. There's room to grow defensively. There's room to grow. Having that third 
uh, big man in Plumlee whenever he's ready to come back because Tice has been working, you know? It's been working, and he doesn't want to make this happened with Nico. This happened with uh Marcus Morris sacrificing, you know, Russ sacrificing, being like, Look, dude, I don't want to mess up the chemistry. We're seeing how important chemistry is. We just got done talking about the Lakers, we just got done talking about the Golden State Warriors. Chemistry is a, a big part, and uh, I, 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 I'm seeing that like. I think James, I think, God, I can't believe I'm saying this, dude. I cannot believe I'm saying this. Like, I think James Harden is sacrificing a lot too to make us a better team. Everything that he said he would do, he's doing. And at some point in the back of our head, of course, we're going to say he's going to get pissed off at some point, but it's working. And I, I, I am, I am so shocked that it's working. Cause me, I didn't, I didn't see this working, Drew. You didn't either. Everybody, nobody saw this working. But at the end of the day, when we're winning these ball games, it's like, holy shit, we have James Harden, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard healthy. God damn it. Another thing I want to bring up that is completely off topic. I definitely, I, by the way, hold on. I, I did say that if Russ goes to the bench, I said this immediately. If Russ goes to the bench, mm-hmm. I said offensively, I think it could work. So I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say that. Uh, because I was one of the few that actually could see like that, like if James Harden was going to be the James Harden that, that is currently playing for the Clippers, why wouldn't it work? He's a he's a good point guard. He can dribble the ball. Well, he passed the ball. Well, he's not shooting that much. Like, of course it should work. So I will just, I'll just say that I didn't expect it to work, but I said, Mm -hmm. if the, if the Russell Westbrook to the bench move happens, then, then you might be onto something. And lo and behold, I got that one, right. You definitely got that one right. And I was more on the fact of like Russ has sacrificed so much for us. Why does he have to go to the bench? Right. And this may, it makes sense now, Drew. It completely does because you forget you're, we're always consumed with thinking about James Harden in Houston and the usage rate and like the points and all that shit. We forget that this guy again said it on the last show. What he said about him being a system is true. Like, he can facilitate, man, and he makes the players around him better. Everybody's getting better with James Harden. That was the quote that we had last week. So I I want to see what happens tonight against the Pelicans. Zion's been playing out of his mind. They are long. We don't do well with with length, and they have all the length there. Uh, I want to see. I want I want this to continue. I want this to continue growing. Kawhi, like, how is this guy not being talked about for All Star? He's missed three games this year. Right now, mind you, we lost two or four, four games. Excuse me. Paul George playing out of his mind. Hard, like there's. Uh, I don't necessarily think that that Westbrook should be an all star. He's an all star for us. Like it's working out for us. But like the James PG Kawhi, there's a there's there's something there right now. So I'm happy. I want to see what happens tonight. I was going to bring up the fact that like throughout our years of doing this show, we tend to jinx teams into doing the complete opposite of what we say. Detroit, the Detroit Pistons finally win the game after we smash them on the show. Right. I told, I got you, that you one right too. It. I called that one too. You didn't say they were going to win the following game. Eventually there's going to be the, the, I mean, where, where are they again though? Did they win it? Have they won another game since then? They, they did off an Alec Burks, my guy jumper. Oh, that's right. That was a crazy ending. It was Alec Burks. I think it was against Utah. Um, 
but we tend to jinx teams uh, to do exactly the opposite of what we say is going to happen. I think that was just um, to put it into overtime clips. They lost that. They still only have three. They only have three wins. Oh, oh, is that what it was? It was to put Burks put them into overtime with that crazy shot. Uh, the the well, when we got off when we three and thirty one, they've lost two in a row. Uh, when we got off of our podcast last one. Immediately they were I texted you overtime. because they were taking Boston to overtime. We're like, shit, dude, this is gonna happen like right now. Um, but anyways, can uh, r- real you don't have to spend a lot of time on it. Do you agree with me, first of all, about the Phoenix Suns and the beef? There is some the real shit there. And then what do you think about as far as what you're seeing from the Clippers right now? Uh do we is there something there? Because this is right now, obviously, we're in January. And now that I've got to see the 20 game sample size of like what this team could possibly be, there is a world, there is a version of this team being able to win a championship, knocking on wood. They can. Uh, what do you think about that? I 100% agree with all the thoughts that you shared. Uh, I think quickly, Phoenix just has a chip on Devin Booker, especially, but Phoenix just carries a fuck you kind of attitude in line with Devin Booker. So they always have a little bit of that chippiness. Uh, I'm not shocked that, you know, there were so many texts. I think on any given night when Phoenix is winning by 20 or losing by 20, Devin Booker can just be mad and then get a technical or try to rough things up and then leads to technicals. Uh, not shocked at that at all. And there is history with the Suns and the Clippers going all the way back. I mean, going back to the early 2000s. But um, the Clippers they have to be included on the short list of teams that are amongst the most complete teams in the NBA right now. And if you don't think that that's true, then you're just not watching the Clippers. Uh, you know, I, Oklahoma city, really well-rounded, great team, Minnesota, really awesome. Boston, the Celtics, which we don't talk enough about the Celtics are probably the best team in the NBA top to bottom. They're playing the best, certainly playing the best. Uh, you could make a case that they're maybe not even as deep as the Clippers are, but, the guys that they play are coming through for them uh, in 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 huge fashion, and and the Celtics are currently undefeated at home, only have seven losses, best team in the NBA. But the Clippers are in that group, is what I'm trying to say. So there is there is maybe maybe no better. Uh, I don't think it could have gone much better for the Clippers outside of that really rough patch, right? Like there was that really first whatever five seven games really bad super bad and that was when they were lou was like still trying to force westbrook into the starting lineup and it was just not working they figured out the rotations everyone's doing their part uh i 100 agree with everything that you just mentioned i honestly don't know if i would change anything for this clippers team i know that we you know in the in past weeks we were like oh well should you know should the clippers go and get you know somebody should we should you let go of bones should you do something no man no, this is this is this is the this is the winning moments. Like in Lakers years in the past, when I would see something like this out of my Lakers team, uh, not to say that we've had you know the Kawhi, Paul George, and, and James Harden uh, triumvirate like you have right now, but when I've seen teams that are winning and capable of winning a championship, the last thing you want to do is make a change, right? That even goes back to our Minnesota Timberwolves conversation. Maybe don't maybe don't touch it at all, right? Because things are going good. But the Clippers right now, for the, maybe the first time since the Blake, Chris Paul, DJ year, what was that, 2014 or something like that, 2013? Maybe since then, this is the best Clipper team that has a legitimate chance at Western Conference Finals, Finals, and a championship. 
And all of that hinges on things that are really unpredictable. And you rightly pointed out, like, no one should be betting on the Clippers because if there's a track record <laughs> of, of them not being able to pull this off due to health. So uh, all of the things are correct. The Clippers can win a championship this year if they don't touch anything. If everything stays exactly the same and the players are obviously, I mean, if Kawhi's going to shoot six, whatever you just said, 60, 50, 90, 60, 50, 90. If he's going to shoot that, then he's he should win MVP of the season <laughs> like in, and the Clippers should win uh, a championship. So it's exciting times for you guys. I, I know you have to be feeling good. I know you have to be fired up to watch each game. Like as you, as we're going to go into the Pelicans tonight uh, and I'm, we're on complete ends of the spectrum. I'm like dreading, I'm like holding off watching Laker games. I haven't recorded. I'm like, I'll just watch them later. When, after I tell my wife, just go to bed and then I'll watch them and you'll just hear me screaming at the TV and a mumble, mumble to myself. Just you get like angry. this. You get like this though. When you get angry, when you get I angry, do. you do get like, Oh, mm-hmm. and, which is yeah, that's normal, uh, and because it's just not fun to watch the Lakers play basketball right now. It's still it's fun to see you know some some plays. I'm like, oh, cool, that was great, but mostly we're losing right now. The Clippers are winning, and it's it's a, it's got to be a joy for you to see this all coming to fruition. Finally, finally, in all the years that you've had Paul George and Kawhi, mm-hmm. finally, kind of just feels like it's happening. It's still so early, and first of all, let me just tell you the splits right now. The last 13 games for Kawhi. It's 28.8 points per game. He's shooting 61, 53, and 92 splits oh my God. in the last 13 games. And again, I, I can talk about Kawhi Leonard till I'm blue in the face. Unless you watch this guy every night, this guy is uh, absolutely phenomenal to watch. He's the closest thing. I'm telling you, that mid-range game, if, you, if you're a basketball purist, that shit is, is, is Kobe and Mike-ish if I've ever seen anything. It's, Kawhi is phenomenal. Um, but really quick, we can talk about James and Kawhi and Russ and PG all we want. What's what's making this shit work is the Norman Powell's, who's been huge for us this year. After even coming in those first few games, I was I was asking you, I'm like, what happened to Norman Powell? Like, what's been going on to Norm? Right? He's been rolling. We've finally brought in Amir Coffey, who's been putting in quality minutes for us. The brewmaster, the Folger soldier, as our boy Brian Seaman <laughs> <laughs> loves to call him, the Folger soldier. Great. Uh, again, T-Man is finding his place. Now, T-Man's not going to give you the, the 12 points the first quarter of every single game, but he's going to have those games. We've seen this happen with him. And the reason why I've, I've just been always pushing, uh, especially the past month, about Bones Highland is because we're not using him. And it looks like that it's probably not going to happen. We're not going to use him. We're not going to use PJ Tucker. The guy's had nine DNPs in a row. Like he's he's not in the mix. But but <laughs> what I'm seeing from PJ and what I'm seeing from Bone, I love the fact that Bones Highland's getting a tech on the bench from the you know the guy that hasn't played in five games and he's he's on the bench talking shit to Devin Booker. I like seeing that shit. You're not playing, but you're going to be engaged on the bench. PJ Tucker, I'm seeing communicate talk to Kawhi and PG on the bench on things that he should be doing. PJ is a vet. You know what I mean? Like, and if anything, what you're trying to do is show that you're a good teammate and that you're engaged with your team. If you're going to be shipped and move somewhere else. So I'm just saying, if we, I, I don't want to fuck with anything either, should we be, should we be looking at what's out there? Of course, but nah, I don't want to mess with anything right now. Nothing right now. And it is still very early. Very early, but the turnaround that we've seen from the first when I was pushing the panic button on those first six games, and rightfully so, the shit looked ugly. It did not work. Nothing was working. 
because when you bring in a guy like James Harden, like you think you have to adjust your whole offense to one guy, and that's not the that's not the case. And 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 again, I'm I know I'm repeating myself. He said he needed ten games to figure this shit out, and they got ten games. They've had more than ten games, and I think James Harden is realizing, holy shit, I have two guys in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard who make this so much easier. And I just see something every single game from James, which makes me um, not only, but I'm I, again, eating crow on the last show. I I'm, I'm gladly eating crow. I'm glad this guy is proving me wrong like this. What the media wanted was for this to continue those first six games. They wanted to continue for 18 and keep dragging this guy through the mud. Right. That's what everybody wanted. Nobody wants to see Paul George or James Harden win a championship. Nobody. For whatever reason, everybody hates Paul George. And I, I do want to say something. I did read, like I, I said, there's beef between Booker and Paul, and that is very true. Nobody shakes hands before the game or after the game. It's like Zubak. The last time I saw two people shake hands after the game was like Zubak and, and Saric, two, guy, two Croatia or whatever, <laughs> foreign guys. They were the only two that gave it was it was Ty Lu and the other coach, and then it was Zub and, and Sarge was the last yeah. time I saw him. But right. I did hear at the end of at the end of the game in Phoenix, uh Paul George was signing autographs in the I, I want to say the breezeway, the carport after the game for fans. He was signing uh jerseys for them. And Devin Booker walked by and told the kids, like, make sure you say thank thank you, right? He was saying that to Paul, but they they didn't exchange any like all right, dog, peace, you know, see you next. They don't like each other, but there was that little thing where it's like, I, you know, in order to be elite in sports in general, you have to be an asshole. We've talked about this so much. Why was Kobe so great? Why was uh, uh, Mike so great? Why was Lance Armstrong so great? It's because they're fucking assholes and you have to be. I don't think Paul George has the asshole vibe in him. He's got the dog as far as like, I, I, I'm going to prove it on the court kind of thing. And D book definitely has the asshole vibe in him. Cause he, it's not just Paul George. that doesn't like D book. You know what I mean? Like D book has got beef with a lot of, a lot of dudes. Uh, and it's just a competitive vibe. So anyways, Monday is going to be a test. I'm pretty sure KD is going to be playing. I think we got them at home. Uh, I would love to kick their ass once again. And it's also a team that I, I don't want to see in the playoffs, but do you remember on the last show we did say, are you scared of the Phoenix suns? And I'm not. I'm not scared of the Suns. Well, they and finally are I able should... to get into that 10 game stretch, right? Like we kept talking about when when can Brad Beal hit the floor and when can they get 10 consecutive games together? They haven't mm -hmm. had that yet cuz cuz you know uh, Durant went out as soon as Beal came back. Uh but you know it's it's the assumption is that Durant's injury is not long. It it should be a relatively quick couple games, he'll be back. So they still haven't even really gotten to the 10 game start yet, but at least Beal's on the floor again. Um, so which mm -hmm. is which is progress. So I, I reserve the right to be scared of the Phoenix Suns <laughs> later on in the season. But uh, yeah. as of right now, man, if they don't have all three of their bigs, who should be scared of them? Drew, you got a final thought for us? I do. I got a couple, but I'm just going to break down oh, you one. Got a couple. I'm going to break down one. I'm going to save the other. We didn't. I, I, we got to talk about the Celtics on the next one. They're just so freaking good. We never talk about them. And, hey, I, I don't want to talk about them. Right, just like you don't like the I Suns, I don't like the I don't like the Celtics or the Spurs. Frankly, those are the two franchises I hate the most. Uh, but we need to talk about them: Tatum, Brown, uh, Derek White. Oh my God, Porzingis, uh, all these people. Uh, but neither here nor there. Today, what I'm going to talk about is 
Tyrese Halliburton, a guy that we've mentioned quite a bit in the beginning of this year. He's doing fantastic things and was the number one fan vote receiver as far as guards in the Eastern Conference, which was a little bit of a shocker, especially because Damian Lillard was number two. So a whole bunch of guards that should be maybe over him. Uh, but rightfully so, I think he's getting uh, his time in the spotlight, even though he's playing for small market Sacramento earlier and now small market Indiana. Now the whole world knows Tyrese Halliburton. And he recently just dusted off the old record book and broke into a very exclusive group by uh, having consecutive games with over 20 points and over 20 assists. The first player to do such since John Stockton and Magic Johnson uh, and the reason I'm bringing this up is that's awesome. He's awesome. This is great stuff. He also had like, I think he had like one or two turnovers in those two games total. Uh, so that's also great. Uh, but he enters into that group and it makes me think clips. One of the records that I never thought in my life would ever be broken. Scott Skiles, baby, 30 assists in a game for the Orlando Magic. I think Halliburton's going to break that record. It may not be this season. It may not be next season. But that dude is young, and he's not going to slow down passing the ball like he's doing everything for that team. I think we might actually see it, Clips, finally. Someone breaks Scotty Skiles' record for 30 assists in a game. That would be 31 assists from Tyrese Halliburton, which is just insane, just even saying that out loud. It shouldn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that he had 31 assists in a game. But he did. Excuse me, he had 30 assists in that game. And I think Halliburton can get 31. What do you think? I think that's tough. I think that's really tough. But at the rate that he's doing these 20 assist games, like that, that's insane. Like uh in a four-game span, he had 66 assists and four turnovers. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And we talk about the assists, but like look how this dude's getting his buckets too. Yeah. Like he is nice, nice. And he should be the, the number one fan vote. For them. And and since the, the Pacers have lost that in-season tournament game to my Lakers, they have skyrocketed all the way through the roof. They're crushing it. And the Lakers could not be any more down low than they than they ever have been this season after winning it over that team. So maybe uh maybe winning the in-season tournament after all might be the best thing the Lakers do this year. <laughs> Uh, well, you, you called it here first. I've never heard anybody say that that Scott Skiles is going to be broken. That would be great if he does do that. He's going to do it. I, I mean, think he's going to do it. I love a point guard that's looking to do, do that, though. I love a guy that's going out there and making everybody better and getting 20 dimes. And here's here's how it happens, right? Like, here's how the 31 assists can possibly happen. It's a game against the Washington Wizards. It's a game against, you know, the run-and-gun other teams in the, in, in the, in the NBA because the, the Pacers are still setting the pace at over 126 points per game average. So if you get one of these games where the score gets up in the 150s, then then that's the way that it, it can happen. And, and they can certainly get there. All it takes is the right opponent and the right shots going back and down. Like Buddy Heald catches fire, he goes off for 40, right? Like then we have, uh, you know, the opportunity to see that, that record be broken, something I never thought would be touched. You know, for my final thought, I agree with you. We need to talk about Boston at some point, but I think it would be great if we – talk about it on the next show because I want to bring it. We got it. We're going to be doing all our all-star picks at some point. I'm not ready to do them yet. Okay. I'm not. And I kind of want to wait till the, till the last minute, but talking about all-stars and we got to talk about Derek white. Like we have to talk about Derek white and how that works out. But I do want to bring up two things. 
My final thought is going to be number one, so random. But if you have not listened to Club Shay Shay and the Cat Williams interview, that was the most, that was the, (laughs) Drew, this was the wildest interview I've, and it wasn't even an interview. It was like Cat sat down. Shay, uh, Shana Sharp's just like, Cat, welcome. And Cat's like, you know, uh, Steve Harvey wore a wig the whole time that he was on that he was on the Steve Harvey show. And we're like, oh, we're starting to we're starting to like that, like really like that. That interview, dog, was the wildest shit I've ever seen. And and Shay doesn't even interview him. He got uh, haters were hating on Shay today on Shannon. Excuse me, Shay Club Shay Shay. It is what it is. Did you listen to the interview at all? Yeah, I've listened to, to not all of it. I've listened to different excerpts from it. And the snippets just kept coming and yeah. coming, and the bombs cat was dropping. Anyways, I have never been so mind-blown in an interview. Sometimes, like, JJ is a great interviewer, and there were, but even Paul George. Paul George, is with the guests he gets and the questions they ask, like, some, I'm so enthralled sometimes uh, because they're so good at what they do. This Cat Williams one, man, if you ain't heard it, listen to it because it is i mean i don't believe everything is a conspiracy theory but what the hell do i know i'm not in that <laughs> world i have no idea that shit was just wow but i do want to bring up really quick my final thought is i'm really over the fan vote for all stars <laughs> i just i really am like i want i want to bring up a couple Ja Morant, right like jaw's been great i get it. he's played eight games he's got two hundred eighty-eight thousand votes lamello ball two hundred thirty-three thousand bo- votes 15 games Darren Fox is a little, a little different. Twenty-seven games. He's got two hundred ten thousand votes. I, I, I don't want the fan vote to. And, and again, let's bring up a couple more. Clay Thompson, hundred eighty-three thousand votes. Austin Reeves, one hundred seventy. We can be real, right? Austin Reeves is not an all-star. Right? Not even fucking close. Right. Clay Thompson. Nope. Nope. Darren Fox. Uh, I mean, Darren Fox is, I I would, I would, he's the one that makes the most sense out of the names you just read. (laughs) Right. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, 178,000 votes. Come on. on. I know it's, I'm I'm just not big on the fan vote. The one I did really like is uh, uh, my boy, my guy, Shangoon. Shangoon getting, how many did he have? Yes, sir. 335,000. The dude is so nasty. I love him so much. Shagoon is top five favorite. He's so good, dude. Love him so much. Um, So I, I'm over the fan vote. By the yeah. end of the day, like I get it, Laker Nation has a lot of fans and they want Austin Reeves in there, but I don't want the fan vote to, to mean too much because nobody wants that shit. Kyle Kuzma is not an all-star. But yeah. my final thought is, my my real final thought, <laughs> my third final thought, sorry, I want to give an uh, an absurd stat of the day. We brought up, I was talking about Kawhi and the mid-range and like how just it's a lost art form. And the guy I didn't bring up is SGA. We've talked about SGA mm-hmm. a thousand times on this show. He is so nice. I want to be, I want to, I like, I got to see Shea as a rookie and we all knew that this kid was going to be good, but I, nobody, nobody thought he was going to be this good. There's a reason why we drafted him. Loved him. Nobody, you know, Clipper fans want to always bring up, you know, I should have never got, you know, should have never gave up SGA for PG for PG. I get it. But nobody knew he was going to be this good. Absurd stat of the day. SGA is shooting 81.8% from the field in post up situations. 27 for 33, right? 81.8 in post up situations. 27 of 33. Well, you said 33 total. So it's like one a game. 
That's not that. They got to they got to get him in the post more. Should get him in the post. I mean, his midi is nice, and I'd yeah. love to see the numbers for the midi because we all know it's wet. But I just thought post up situations and eighty one percent is a pretty nasty stat. If this guy can't get any more pub, any more praise this year, that's a crazy stat. SGA is nice. We are in this time in the NBA, man. And you just brought up Halliburton, like. We want to talk. We're talking about how Braun and 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 Steph, and Chris, and all these guys are getting older, and the next generation is coming. They're here. These guys are here. Hallie, SGA, freaking what? Name another one. Every, there's so many talented players in the league, and uh, I love that we're we're bringing up SGA and uh, Hallie Hallie Vision because um, they're small small market teams. And they're great. It's not the Knicks. Even Brun- like, bring up Brunson. That's another guy we're gonna have to talk about in our All Star show because I'm. I, I. I. It's hard for me. I don't. We always have a tough time with our All Star pick, and it's gonna be really <laughs> difficult this year. So uh, I don't know if it's gonna be next show or the show after, but we have to at some point make our picks, Drew. But I. I want another like week, week and a half. We'll make the decision. Sure. I mean, when is the All-Star game? It's February, right? So mid-February, like Valentine's Day is when it happens. So we got plenty of time, right? Yeah, we don't have to rush this. We can we can take our time don't with it. But we will uh, be discussing Boston Celtics on the next show. We're going to be discussing the Clippers win against the Pelicans tonight. Go. 5.30. I want the, this is my this is my in-season tournament game right now. This is my <laughs> in-season tournament championship game right now. I want to beat the Pelicans. Game's at 5.30. Uh, we're going to see what happens with the Lakers in the coming week. We got the Clippers. We haven't talked about Philly enough, but we got a lot to talk about on the next show. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, and we're ghosts. You know what it is?